Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast. Uh, if you could go on Apple, uh, give us a review or rating, preferably five stars, if, wherever you get your podcast, and you can do those things. We would appreciate it. Subscribe to it. Uh, we apologize for the delay in the in the uh, episode. We had some issues that had come up with COVID-19 and everything else that's breaking out in our country. So I apologize for that. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the ones that have subscribed and do listen. Um, I just want to say thanks. I don't want to spend a great deal of time um, on talking about the reviews and the ratings. And I just hope that eventually they come. So... That being said, this week I want to talk about the Alyssa Turney story. Uh, kind of just want to give you some basics, and if you're not familiar with that story, um, it is one of the stories that kind of got me into listening to podcasts and true crime. So I hold it pretty dear to my heart. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Sarah Turney, and just to let her know what an amazing job she's doing, and uh, just wanted to tell her thanks. I think she's an amazing person and does an amazing job. Uh, you know, in the back of his mind, he knew that one day he would lose every bit of control that he had on this situation. For years now, no one could question him. No one was going to tell him how to raise his daughter. His control over her had begun to, to dwindle. And of course, Lord knows controlling a 17-year-old is tough and... Uh, he knows that this one, that this one is very strong-willed and very strong-minded. He knows that she will not stay quiet for much longer. And what can he do? She will be free from his controlling hand, able to his controlling hand able to manipulate the situation for years. He started by telling people that this girl here, she has a learning disability, that she doesn't understand anything. And it's so naive because if any of his strange behavior came to light in the past, he would always blame it on her. He's always recording her inside and outside of the home. He's recording every phone call that's made to and from the home. He's having her sign strange contracts and even calling Child Protective Services in advance to say, hey, if my daughter calls and says anything about abuse, it's just not true. So the groundwork of keeping this secret a secret has been many years in the making. He has worked so hard to keep her as close to him for as long as he can. Because he had monitored the situation. He could not risk giving her too much room because he knew this one would let the world know just exactly what had and has been going on between her and her stepdad. So after protecting himself all these years, has he finally came to a point where now the only way to keep her quiet is to silence her forever? Because he knows in less than a year she will be 18, and his abilities to control the narrative, well, it's over. So that brings us to the last day of school, junior year, and Mr. Michael Turney of Phoenix, Arizona, goes to pick up his stepdaughter, Alyssa Turney, from school early today for some reason. Well, Alyssa tells her best friend bye, and then takes the time to poke her head into her boyfriend's class and tell him bye. This is the absolute last time anyone 
has seen a list attorney anywhere on God's green earth. This is the weekly podcast. This case goes, it could go in many different directions. I really just want to give you the basics of what I know and what I've read and what, what the, that way you can maybe dig a little deeper in some aspects if you want to. Alyssa Marie Strom was born April the 3rd, 1984 to Father Stephen Strom and Mother Barbara Farner Strom. Now Barbara, she ends up, um, Barbara and Stephen do not end up staying together. Barbara ends up uh, meeting and marrying a man uh, by the name of Michael Turney. Uh, Barbara passes away in February of um, 1993. So Alyssa is now in custody of her stepfather. Now, Barbara and Mike did have a daughter together. Her name was Sarah. Now, throughout uh, Alyssa's life, there had been many accusations. So, I don't know that any of these accusations have ever been verified, but there is an accusation because very shortly after Barbara died, Mike had, Michael been, uh, began dating a woman, Diane Boardman, and she had made a claim that Alyssa had told her that uh, She's having sex with her dad. Now, Mike explains that, that, you know, maybe she'd seen um, something on TV or maybe she thinks of giving her a hug or a kiss and has got mixed up and confused. Um, it is also stated that Michael Turney had made uh, derogatory comments about, you know, Alyssa will be someone that men would love, would have great sex with, things like that. There's a home movie, young Sarah playing with a camera, while Michael Turney um, is heard in the background. You can hear Alyssa calls for Sarah a few times before yelling, Dad's a pervert. Michael calls Alyssa a stupid moron, throws a shoe at her, and tells Sarah to turn the camera off. Uh, around this same time, Mike had uh, made Alyssa's brother John sign a uh, contract stating that, or, the contract stating Alyssa was never sexually abused, which is strange. Um, when Alyssa was in middle school, uh, their cousin David came to live with them, and Mike admitted to David that he had uh, tied Alyssa to a chair because she was out of control. Alyssa told David that uh, her dad had handcuffed her to a bed. David came home from work one night, put in a VHS tape marked Dr. Doolittle that instead was a home movie from the tourney home showing two girls, one of which was Alyssa unconscious, naked from the waist up, with their faces covered by newspaper. When David found this, he left and never spoke to his uncle again. Um, uncle James said that he was aware that this tape existed, and that he had heard of another one that showed Alyssa having sex with Mike and an unknown adult woman, but these tapes have never been recovered. Now, it was also stated that when Alyssa was younger, her doctor had, had told Barbara, this is before she passed away, that she had had scar tissue indicating that she had been sexually abused. Now, we believe that just as Barbara started to see the real Mike Turney uh, tragedy struck and then, the, you know, the cancer diagnosed, but it's also stated that Barbara had passed away one day before her insurance policy was set to relapse, or lapse, whatever. Um, as Alyssa got older, Mike had surveillance cameras set up to spy on Alyssa. Um, 
Most notably, there was one hidden in the vent in the living room, and even in Alyssa's bedroom, there was a uh, passive recording system on the home phone that recorded all incoming and outgoing calls. Alyssa had to write letters to her friends to communicate without every word being documented for Mike's playback. Um, he had also traveled to her work. Um, and, and he, over the years, he always, always kept going back to Sarah had a, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Alyssa had a disability. Alyssa had a disability. Alyssa was naive. Alyssa didn't understand things. Uh, he had put her on an individualized education plan for learning disability that she was never diagnosed with or having even formally tested for. He insisted she was stupid and had to ride the short bus. He was even said dumber than a rock. Um, mild form of retardation. He would call her that word frequently. He consistently told her that she needed special accommodations because she was slow. Um, there's footage of Mike filming Alyssa through the window while she was working, as well as footage of her making out with her boyfriend on the couch. Um, there were several incidents in, in the desert stating um, that Mike had tried to assault her. Um, one time he'd made her walk home. Um, he had made claims that Alyssa had a very high sex drive and that she enjoyed engaging in, in such activities. Um, Ultimately, he was laying the groundwork for any kind of way out on his end um, because over the years, if he had been sexually abusing her, he's able to control that narrative to a certain degree by having control over her. He can see who she's talking to. He can see who she's friends with, and he can cut it off. By the CPS call, he can he thinks he's getting around it and cutting it off. He thinks he's getting getting in front of the situation. So, as this builds, and as he realizes that Sarah, uh, sorry Sarah, <laughs> Alyssa is not she's very strong, strong-willed, strong-minded, is probably going to give him up. He's, she's going to tell somebody, and she had made comments to different friends and things like that, that, uh, you know, he, he had done certain things to her. And she was tired of it. She was tired of it, and he knew it. He knew it was building up to this. He did not, and it's just my opinion, he did not know how to get in front of it. For years, he had been making excuses. Oh, well, this is this, or this is this. She's got this problem. She's stupid. She's handicapped. She's mild, mildly retarded. And all of her friends say that she wasn't. Her friends say that she was just a normal teenager, the normal teenager things. But in Mr. Turney's mind, he is wondering what in the hell he's going to do. Because... In less than a year, she's 18. His his control of the narrative is over. His control of the situation is over. Over. And so we build to this afternoon. We'll be right back. And by this afternoon, I mean the afternoon... of when 
last day of junior year. It's a short day anyway. It's not a full day. It is May the 17th, 2001. Now, some details of this disappearance is Alyssa was last seen at her home in the vicinity of Bell Road and 34th Street in Phoenix, Arizona on May 17, 2001. It was the last day of her junior year at Paradise Valley High School. Her stepfather, Michael Roy Turney, says he took Alyssa out of school early and they went out to lunch and then came home. He stated they got into an argument during the meal because Alyssa wanted more privileges. And when they returned home, she was upset and went into her room angrily. Now, he's stating that she got upset over maybe a hypothetical type situation over the course of the summer. Her curfew's not going to be longer. The course of the summer, she's not going to be able to do certain things. And my thinking along the, as far as like a, a teenage child, they don't think in like, well, uh, it would be more along the lines of being upset if something right then, like uh, maybe if she had said, oh, I want to go to this tonight, uh, I want to go to this party tonight, and he says no. Then she gets upset and runs away. Guess where she's going to run to? She's going to run to that party that she wants to run to. But these, she's getting upset over hypothetical type situations, over her curfew throughout the summer. It's not a specific thing unless... They were arguing about a specific party that night, but he doesn't say that. But Michael does state that he left her alone at 1 p.m., went to run errands and pick up her sister. He tried to call Alyssa while he was gone, but she didn't answer the phone. When he returned to the house at 5 p.m., Alyssa was gone, leaving behind a note saying she was running away to California. The note says, Dad and Sarah... When you dropped me off at school today, I decided that I really am going to California. Sarah, you said you didn't want me around. Look, you got it. I'm gone. Dad, I took $300 from you. Now, a couple of things that stand out in that is they have, okay, first off, they determined that is her writing, but by through the course of looking at the letter, it's determined that she possibly had written that at a different time. Because she had she had worked, she had been working, and she had left $1,800 untouched in her bank account. She left her makeup, hairbrush, house keys, and cellular phone behind as well. She apparently did take a black backpack with her. Now, in my opinion... When Michael goes to pick up his other daughter, Sarah, and he tells her, hey, I can't get over to your sister, start calling. He is starting to create himself an alibi. He is starting to create himself, well, you know, getting the younger sibling involved. Uh, he has been building up to this point. He has been planning this. And so my theory, in my opinion, is last day of school, how can he minimize her contact? So he doesn't have to tell the teachers 
as, as why she's missing. There's going to be no school nosing around because it's the beginning of summer. So he's got three months, roughly, to put a distance between that before she would have to go back to school. Um, and now for years, by covering up his abuse to her, he has been placing blocks of doubt with people for years, manipulating the situation for years and years and years by saying she's a wild card, she's stupid, she's this, she's that. Look at me. I'm the great father. I'm this. I'm that. And all of it's been building up to this. To this. Authorities initially treated Alyssa as a runaway and believed she could either be in California or still in the Phoenix area. Why did she treat? was she treated as a runaway? Because Michael Turney stated that this is a runaway. She has run away to California. I know where she's at. So we're speaking to a man that for years and years and years knows every inch of every move that's made in his home on his phone. And now all of a sudden he's lost control. If Alyssa was to, was to have run away... She would have took her phone. I don't care if she thought she could be tracked on it or not. It was a lifeline. It was a way to her reach people to wherever she was decided to run away to. She would have took her $1,800. Even if this note says she took $300 from him, she would have took $300 from him and $1,800 from herself. Because she would want to have as much money and, and means that she could. She would want to maybe plan a little bit better. Maybe say, oh, I need this money, I need this phone, I need this. She's not going to grab a couple of things, not take her phone, not take all of her money, throw a few things in a black backpack, and then never be seen again. It would be a different story if she threw a few things in a black backpack and she was found two blocks over at a friend's home. But that's not the case. This has been a manipulated situation from the beginning, and it has been manipulated by Michael Turney. Now, Authorities didn't give two shits about where she had gone or what she had done because the father, the father that's supposed to love and protect this child, has stated to them that this is a runaway situation. And so for years and years and years, Mike Turney has stated that he has went to California, that he has looked and searched and looked and searched and looked. When the, real, the reality is this, he states that one week after she had went missing, that she, this to me makes him the most guilty of all. One week after she had went missing, she made a phone call, he says, from a payphone in California, but quickly hung up after he'd spoke a few words to her. This was the last trace of her. But guess what? The phone recording wasn't working that night. We're talking about a man that recorded every conversation that came in and went out of his home that was one of the most paranoid men on God's earth. He just so happened didn't record this. My daughter is gone. Why in the hell would you not have your recording system on then? Oh, maybe she calls. We can record it. But it wasn't on. It wasn't on. Now, he keeps this, this ruse up with, within the family. But see, he's laid the groundwork beautifully. He slowly had distanced himself and, and Alyssa from her, her mother's side of the family. He slowly but surely alienated her. Wouldn't allow her to have friends. Wouldn't allow her to, because he, 
That's that's what the that's the only way he can control the narrative, and and keep his tracks covered and keep his crimes a secret, keep his secrets a secret. Now, Melissa, they, they said Melissa was very close to her siblings, her friends, and her steady boyfriend, but she never mentioned any runaway plans to them, and none of them heard from her after she went missing. It's uncharacteristic of a runaway to leave behind all of her belongings and money, as Alyssa apparently did, and to never contact friends or family again. Now, law enforcement had no desire to look into this because she was considered a runaway. And a runaway and a missing person are two different things, and Michael Turney is the reason for her runaway status. It wasn't until 2006 that a Florida man confessed to her murder but his story turned out to be false. Now, Michael Turney, a former law enforcement officer himself, says he made over 30 trips to California to look for her. Alyssa's friends describe her as normal, spirited teenager with a little rebellious streak. She had experimented with a little bit of marijuana and sometimes skipped class. But she was a good student. Her friends stated Michael was a strict parent who reg regularly... Searched Alyssa's belongings, monitored her phone conversations, and sat outside a restaurant where she worked. That's a man concerned with what well, look, in a criminal sense, let's take embezzling. You're gonna stay if you're embezzling money from a corporation and you're the accountant, you're going to stay on top of those accounts you're embezzling from because you're wanting no one else to get a look inside because someone else might see the wrongdoing. So you want your eyes only on it. So his eyes only. So why he would keep such a tight leash on Alyssa. Because he knew she was a firecracker. He knew that she wasn't going to keep quiet. And he knew his time was running out. Now, police had found, and this is after 2006. Keep in mind, that's five years. Police had found strange contracts, which Michael wrote, made Alyssa sign. A forensic psychiatrist uh, who viewed one of the documents said it showed Michael had an absolute need for control and dominance of Alyssa. Michael had also surveillance cameras set up inside the family home and, and recorded all telephone communications except the one phone call she made from California, supposedly. Now, after she disappeared, uh, Alyssa disappeared, Michael refused to take a polygraph or sit down with police for an interview. Although he did communicate with them through fax, email, and phone, he never gave police the surveillance tape for the day Alyssa went missing, but said he had reviewed eight hours of footage and seen nothing of interest. He also said the phone recording system wasn't operating on the day Alyssa called him after her disappearance. That is bullshit. Several people had also claimed Alyssa told them Michael had sexually abused her or tried to abuse her. She had spoken to friends and family members about him gagging her and handcuffing her. Now, Michael denies these allegations and maintains he is a good parent who never harmed his stepdaughter. Now, the year before her disappearance, Michael himself, like I said, called CPS to tell them that if Alyssa ever filed child molestation complaint against him, she was lying. He said the cameras and recording devices were for security reasons, not so he could observe his children's activities. Now, finally, after 2006, this guy had uh, confessed to doing it. They realized that this was a false confession. The police are opening their eyes to things. So in 2008, police executed a search warrant on the home where Alyssa had lived 
and the home across the street where her family now lives. This is at the time, 2008. They're looking for evidence in Alyssa's case. Now, investigators found many videotapes of Alyssa at her home during the search dating back to the 1980s, but not one from the day she disappeared. Now, during this search, they did find 19 high-caliber assault rifles, two handmade silencers, a van filled with gasoline cans, and 26 homemade explosive devices filled with gunpowder and roofing nails. It was the largest stockpile of explosives discovered in Phoenix Police Department history. So now this is where it takes a turn. Now Phoenix Police Department is more concerned about the largest stockpile of explosives discovered in Phoenix Police Department history. Um, more than 100 neighbors were temporarily evacuated. Uh, Mike was taken into custody. He was carrying two handguns, a recording device, seven magazines of ammunition, and a knife. Uh, the search uncovered the gun's explosive. They also found a 98-page document titled Diary of a Madman Martyr in his home. Now, at this point, the document, Michael accused the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers of being behind Alyssa's abduction and murder. So, he, you know, he worked as an electrician in the 1980s and complained about workplace conditions. And after Alyssa's disappearance, he told police he thought the union had a grudge against him and had kidnapped her in order to punish him. In the diary of a madman martyr, Michael wrote that he had already killed two assassins who were responsible for his stepdaughter's death and that Alyssa was buried in Desert Center, California. He wrote that he planned to blow up the Union Hall in revenge and kill himself in the process. The police believe they may have stopped him just in time. They found the weapons and explosives on December 11th, and the next meeting at the Union Hall was scheduled for the 15th. Of course, in an interview with the media after his arrest, Michael claimed the bombs weren't his and the police had planted them. Um, of course, he pled guilty in 2010. Um, I think he got 10 years. Yes, he was sentenced to the maximum term of 10 years in federal prison. He is out. And, of course, the police had stated many times they were going to look into Alyssa's case or arrest him as soon as his time was up, and this, that is not, not the case. So, what do we have here? Who was the last person to see Alyssa attorney? That would be Michael Turney, who had the motive, according to all the reports of her stating things to her friends, for her to disappear. That would be Michael Turney, who had control of the entire situation and narrative. That would be Michael Turney, who was a paranoid individual that had his home bugged and the incoming outgoing calls on the telephone recorder. That is Michael Turney. It is strange for a man that has that much surveillance and that much paranoia that the one day that's missing is the day that his daughter goes missing and the one week later that she supposedly calls in on a phone conversation from a payphone that is also missing as well. We'll be right back. So, what have we got? The problem I've got with the day of disappearance is this. Most of the time, an older child runs away from home due to a situation that they perceive as dire. You know, either there was more to whatever was going on inside the home or the story is a bold-faced lie. So, let's take the story at face value. Let's break it down. Michael Turney picks Alyssa Turney up from school early. No one knows about this, really, until it comes out on 2020, family or no one. She told her boyfriend she was leaving, told her friend, 
that she, Alyssa Turney, was going to try and stop by later. So now, uh, Michael Turney takes her uh, out to lunch. They're talking about hypothetical situations. Uh, and the, the issues aren't real. They're not real. It's hypothetical. She's, she's going to be mad about something that she maybe she can't stay out later. Next month, her curfew's not going to be long enough, so she's going to get upset. Enough to run away and never be seen again. Okay. Um, so it's... So you know there will be rules, as he says. And Alyssa's supposed to say, no, I'm, I'm going to stay out late and maybe all night. So, okay, she's, she's upset by these rules and she wants to leave. She might start the planning process of leaving. Maybe try and tell her boyfriend or some of her girlfriends. The rules of, it just rules out that the conversation would not cause Alyssa to, to within a few hours, make a decision to grab some of her things, leave all of her important things behind. So, I mean, so she, I just don't understand this, so the rules that Mike has, Michael Turney's put in place has caused the list attorney to throw all caution to the wind. So just because she may or may not get to stay out late over the summer, she's decided that she has got to go. Now, not plan when she turns 18, which is just a few months away. She has to set her plan into motion and leave. It would even be different if, if Michael had said that she wanted to go to an end-of-the-year school party, and I said, hell no. So her leaving abruptly and maybe going over to a friend's, realizing after cooling down, she, she goes home. My point is that we're supposed to believe a 17-year-old girl that has patiently been putting up with Michael Turney's shit for years is going to, months before her 18th birthday, is going to leave her home and... and the only one that she has, good or bad, leave her phone, leave her money, $1,800, only to leave a letter that says, oh, Dad, I stole 300 So, that doesn't make any sense to me. How about maybe the writing was on the wall and Michael Turney knew it? He had hard enough time controlling Alyssa when she was a uh, minor child. He knew what would happen if she ever got away from his control and manipulation. He knew it. If anyone, if anyone had thought out and made a plan, it wasn't Alyssa, it was Mike, who had set the wheels in motion when he called family, stating that Alyssa Turney was talking of running away. Remember, anything outside of cold hard facts in this case mentioned in this podcast are just pure speculation, and that's what I'm doing right now, and is only a, a possible theory. So hopefully, one day the truth is told, and a young, beautiful, and very smart little lady can be properly laid to rest. She, derves, she deserves that, and much, much more. A sister deserves answers. And, uh, you know, do you have any idea how tough and mentally draining it is to love someone and, and that someone is supposed to be a rock for you no matter what cause, you know, what comes and goes? 
to not to be able to have that support from your father because you may fear that he has secrets. I imagine that would be tough. I do. So we know that it comes out that not only does he have a truck, but he has two of the same trucks. I find that odd. But you know, all of this because she may or may not be able to have more freedom over the summer. Here is the problem. You know, the poor girl has endured Michael Turney for years. And over the years, maybe she's broke down a few times and said something to someone. Most of the time, she said nothing. She just kept on chugging right along the best she could. And now, Alyssa can see the end is in sight. Just like a, a while back when she was going to run away to California and wrote that note. But she didn't. She was almost 18. And then guess what, Mike? She's going to tell you to go pound sand. His, your control would be gone. His control would be gone. His power gone. His influence gone. And Alyssa was, was working and saving. And that $1,800 meant everything to her. I guarantee it. That money... And that phone was her lifeline. So when did Michael find the note? When did he put his plan into motion? Because Alyssa's becoming a liability to his freedom and he knows it. It's been his own rules and abuse that has caused Alyssa to be strong-willed and strong-minded. A strong-minded young woman. And he knew it. He knew it. We'll be right back. So he's covered his tracks, you know? So now if he has Alyssa in his truck, the truck that he has two of, the exact same truck, so if anyone says, I've seen you do this or that, and you were in this truck, he can say, here's the truck, check it for blood, check it for whatever. He's smart enough to know that a paper trail would or could at least show he owned two of the same truck. And that's fine because by the time law enforcement starts looking, way too much time would have passed. So now it's into phase two of this plan, cover up an alibi. He picks up his younger daughter and immediately, immediately says to her, Hey, call your sister. Hey, call your sister. I can't get her. I can't get her. Like something's wrong. Insinuating it immediately. I've tried to call over and over. Tried. I've been calling her phone all afternoon, and oh, by the way, she got it. we got into an argument, and that turned into a little fight, and yeah, I told her uh, she may not be uh, able to do late in summer, and when we got, when we get home, please go in her and check her room, and he knew she would find what she would find. He knew she would find the note, she would find this, she would find her phone, she would find all that stuff, and maybe even blame herself a little bit. Maybe that's what he's wanting to happen. You know, they go in, they find Alyssa's phone, they find the note. Now, to me, the phone being left is strange because almost always a person would take the phone, especially in 2001, and you're running away, going on this trip to California, and you would rather leave the phone? Yeah, bullshit. And what the fuck have you been doing all day today? So he drops her off at 1 and doesn't pick his uh, other daughter up till 5. 
So instead of calling 911, he calls the number to the police station like anyone else would probably do to call 911, or maybe not. We don't know how we'd act. So he calls the station and let them know, hey, I got a daughter that ran away. She left a note. Yeah, she's going to her family in California. Don't worry. She'll be back. All right, thanks. Done. At this point, he's home free. He's, the, he's alienated the family. There will not be an investigation on a runaway. Well, it wouldn't even, it would show up. And it only would matter if a attorney came in contact with law enforcement. And he knows that's not going to happen. And they, they run her name. So now all he has to do is put some time in between today and the future. And that's it. And it looks like he's doing all he can so the family doesn't question what had happened. So he makes comments like, oh, I've been searching. Or he makes trips periodically. God knows where he goes. But he pretend like I guess he pretends like he goes to California. But all in all, what brought this on was that he knew he could not keep the lid on it much longer. He knew that Alyssa doesn't buy into anything that he says. Now, Michael Turney may be a bit off on some of his conspiracy theories, but he is not stupid or unprepared. I would like to know when in his mind he knew what he was going to do or when he knew he was going to have to do what he had to do to Alyssa. In my opinion, when people have to talk about how good of a parent they are or keep reminding you of good things or remind you of how good they are, they're doing it only because they know the opposite of the, of the truth and they are afraid of what might really come out. He controlled every aspect of Alyssa's life and the only reason why is uh, first he didn't want any surprises. So he would listen to phone calls and record her at, at home and work so he had to keep her close. As long as he was close and could control the narrative, he could direct and manage the situation. Same thing with his call to CPS. He's playing offense from a position of power and control. The closer he is to Alyssa, he feels confident he can make sure his ugly secret stays a secret. So, when did he realize that the only way to continue to control Alyssa is to seal her fate as Forever 17, his minor daughter? That he's had control over. She never turned 18. Because Michael Turney can't control an 18 year old adult Alyssa Turney. Because he knew that she was tough and strong. And was about to expose him for what he is and was. So he puts his plan into motion. Last day of school. Why? Well, like I said. This is his way of having over three months before he would have to explain her absence from school. That's just one less person putting their nose in. Why pick her up early? Well, it catches Alyssa off guard and puts him in control with the element of surprise. So any, any after-school plans are gone. Gives him time to do what he needs to do without having to explain to anyone that in his house that he lives with where he's been or what he's been doing. Because he's got a younger daughter he's got to tend to. And he better be back and ready to pick her up. Otherwise, there's a big red flag. And he needs some time. It takes time to do what he needs done. So he's got four hours. Maybe longer. Because he says he picks her up at 11. They had the argument at 1. So that gives him seven hours. So 
You know, I do think that Alyssa would have taken the phone if, if it was a true runaway, and I do think she would have been seen. She would have turned up somewhere. She would have been seen by now. And, you know, Michael Turney knows this too, but the only way to have it show on, on, the, on tower records and pings from everyone's phones when Michael Turney is calling Alyssa over and over is that she, or at least her phone, is home. Because there's no way for him to take the phone and hide the phone without it being on his person. And that's just going to put her too close to him. And he's not, it's not to, to leave it, it's the only way he could do is leave it at home. So now the biggest part to get behind him is informing law enforcement of Alyssa's runaway. Now at this point, his law enforcement background kicks in. He was a, he was law enforcement in Phoenix and he knows that if he reports her as missing and there is a legitimate note, then they would treat her as a runaway. So now all he has to do is show the note, and that's why the note is, is crucial because it establishes that Alyssa Turney establishes her as a runaway and not a missing person. There is a big difference. He needs that note to establish runaway status so and of course the letter has a lot of inconsistencies with with her leaving that day uh that, that particular day and the one we referenced a lot is that she says oh dad i stole 300 dollars," but leaves 1800 behind in her bank account now he's willing to let it ride on that note because he needs that note without the note she is a missing underage child and maybe that would have caused some sort of scrutiny on Michael Turney's life and, at the least, a closer look. So, what we end up having is Michael Turney still holding all the cards. You know, no one receives a phone call from her, well, supposedly one person. But we're able to believe that according to Michael Turney, Alyssa had trouble focusing on work, had a learning disability, could not think for herself, could be talked into anything. He had to put up cameras to make sure she was okay. He watched and recorded her at work and home. To hear Michael Turney tell it, if it wasn't for him, Picking up where she slacked and couldn't maintain, function, or survive, she would be lost without him. To hear it from him, she couldn't make it without him. But the flip side is, she is allegedly now a mastermind, an escape artist, a runaway plan in which a, a very short period of time with very little to no resources and with no help from her family, with no phone, $300, she has managed to become hidden for all this time. You can't have it both ways. That sounds like the work of a genius to me. By the way, she made it to Cali and was near the ant. She... And she was near the ant that she referenced in the letter. Why had they not heard from her? Why had the aunt not heard from her or seen her? Instead of reaching out to her new life, her aunt, 
from this payphone, we're made to believe that she would rather take the time to call back home to talk to Michael Turney for 15 seconds to say, leave me alone? I'm sorry. That doesn't make any sense. Why would she not reach out to her new family in California, the aunt? She didn't take her cell phone, so she's going to pick up this payphone and call back to Michael to say, leave me alone? She's not going to call and pick up and call her aunt? Hey, come get me. I made it. What the fuck? So here's my words. I will end with this. Real, realistically, Michael Turney tells a story that in Alyssa Turney's note, she left when she, she ran away to California. She had made up her mind that morning to run away, but according to Michael Turney, she wanted him to pick her up early so she didn't have to break up with her boyfriend. But she's leaving forever, and she doesn't reach out to anyone at school. Maybe she wanted Michael to pick her up early as part of her master escape plan, this genius. He must continue to play Alyssa as a naive ADHD learning disability child because the story he drummed up is strange. Okay, she is home. Michael Turney is gone. Alyssa is in a fucking hurry. She grabs some clothes, few items, destroys her room, steals Michael Turney's 300 bucks, doesn't even think, oh, I have $1,800 in the bank. Well, she leaves her cell phone because, you know, when you're running away to California, who needs a way to contact help? She's gone. No one sees her. No one sees her in the neighborhood. No, no one sees her in California. No one sees her anywhere. But according to Michael Turney, we're dealing with this naive girl that can't even put two sentences together without his help. But on the flip side, we've got someone that's orchestrated and, and, and masterminded and a, and a, gr a great escape plan with 300 bucks and no phone. Make it right. Ask for forgiveness by leading investigators to her body. Tell them what happened. You think that those here on earth aren't suffering from this tragedy, this loss? For some, they have lost a sister. They've even lost a dad. For some, they have to deal with losing a sister, mom, and their dad. Hey, dad, you should be doing everything in your power to love and support your daughter. You should not cause her pain. You're not man enough to step up and admit you're wrong. You also would rather see your daughter carry this heavy burden, this weight, that she has really done an amazing job on. Now speaking of, about Sarah. Maybe... It's all meant to be this way. For if we lose sight of all things happen for a reason, and every heartache brings some joy or something positive, then we have no hope. Carry this, Sarah, because through this tragedy, you have absolutely changed and touched people's lives in such an amazing and very beautiful way. God bless. God bless you, Sarah. This is The Weekly Podcast. Thank you.